The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stillwater Barber Company, located at 609 South Main Street, right here in Stillwater. Randall and Joe are serving up the best haircuts in town, which includes regular haircuts and skin and razor fades, as well as shaves and beard care and trims. The beard care includes a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil, and just a little bit of steam to bring it all together. And as always, shampoo and conditioners are two for $20, and I can vouch for the shampoo because that's what I've been using for the past several months. It's a wonderful tea tree oil shampoo paraben and sulfate free that leaves your hair and scalp squeaky clean and smelling great and as always you can find blue roaming around the shop so give them a call at 405-269-8590 or you can check them out at stillwaterbarber.co to book an appointment today Welcome into the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy and joined by special guest, Oklahoma State point guard John Michael Wright. How are you? Doing pretty good, bro. How you doing? Yeah, man. I'm making it through. Um, saw you getting some shots up when I uh, when I showed up. What's uh, what's a, an off-season workout like today look like for you? Um, Just, just getting some shots up like you saw. Uh, a couple dribble moves, a couple shots um, off the move, off-ball shots, just practicing. The type of shots I get in the game or that I got in the game last year. Um, when we were playing, just fine tuning everything, and you know, just trying to keep my keep my stroke right. As as we come walking in, man, we're hearing swishes, not hearing a lot of clanging. Was it a good good session? Yeah, yeah, it was a real good session. Um, I mean, you know, I, I missed a couple shots too. You know what I'm saying? But that's part of the yeah, that's part workout. of it. But you know, I I, just, I wanted to I want to make sure I get my strike right. Um, I shot okay this past season, but you know, I want to be better. You can always improve. So yeah, no doubt. Um, that's just something I've been working on, and yeah, I, I shot it pretty good today, though. The coach is able to be out there with. You. Kind of take us maybe through when in the off season now. I mean, and whenever we say off season, it's like two weeks, <laughs> two weeks out, three weeks out from the end of the season. What can coaches do with you, and what what can't they? And what does that look like? You know, this time of year for basketball players. Yeah, well, so this is my first off season here, but. Um, in college, like previously in college, or this was just a college rule, but you get four hours a week um, on court and in the weight room. So coaches can have all the players an hour a day uh, on the court and an hour a day in the weight room, and they can't exceed past those hours. And normally it goes Monday through win- uh, Thursday, and then they, we get Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off when we get back to it on Monday. But that, that's pretty much the schedule has been this past week, and it'll probably be like that for the rest of uh, spring. So going going throughout, m- most basketball players, it's going to be fairly similar in terms of schedule. As soon as the season's over for you, you know what's that next couple of weeks? And obviously, you had a big decision to make after the season whether or not you were going to come back. You know what what goes into that time off before you know trying to get back into it? Well, the first thing is rest. You know, having a long grindy season with the OSU, you know, you, your body takes a toll. Any college basketball player's body taking a toll from November, not even November, October, all the way until March. So just getting the first week, week and a half off, just giving your body time to rest uh, is a real important thing, and that's what I did. You know, I, I took some time off. So you can imagine my first day back, I was a little fatigued and mm-hmm. you know, body hurting a little bit. But, yeah, off season, that's just that's that's the most important start is just getting the rest, and then you get back into your routine that you – had that was similar to the one when you were in season it's just not as much uh not as much reps or time in the gym as we did uh when we were in for uh season but you know it, the, the process still stays the same uh, it's no big drastic difference just get a lot of individual workouts in with your coaches and you got a lot of free time to work out you know managers here to help you catch and shoot so 
that, that's pretty much it. Every program has good basketball players. I mean, there's there's bad teams, but there's always going to be a handful of really good basketball players, you know, at every level. So I'm not asking you the talent level difference between Oklahoma State and High Point. And I know we've talked about this throughout the season. You talk about physicality and the grind. What is How different is the grind and the physicality level between High Point and Oklahoma State playing in the Big 12? Man, it's – I'm sure there's similarities, but – Yeah, yeah, it's – you know, Division One basketball, it's, it's going to be a lot of similarities. I'll say the biggest thing is, you know, just like you said, the physicality of certain, like the bigs, for example. You know, they they are the biggest standouts to me. I can't imagine there's too many mooses Yeah, no, nah, I, I didn't see a moose <laughs> when I was at High Point, you know. So when I got here, I was just – I was in shock yeah. seeing a guy seven foot that can move like that and that was able to defend like that. And even offensively, how he was able to move. So I would say that's the biggest difference is with bigs like that that can guard on the perimeter and aren't really a liability anywhere on the court. And, you know, they just take up so much space. And when you get in the paint, they're just, you know, high and long and they can jump. And, you know, that's something you don't typically see uh, in conference play in a low major uh, mm-hmm. conferences in college basketball. So I think that's the biggest thing. But, you know, obviously there are guys like, you know, guys like Grady Dick from Kansas, you know, a 6'9", you know, wing that can shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's not too many of those. But it's declaring for the NBA as a freshman. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. yeah. So those type of guys, you know, there are unicorns all out there that, that we played against this year. and That's something I didn't see at high point. But, you know, it's pretty prominent at this level in the Big 12, of course, just power five basketball. So does that – players like that, does that play into a decision to try to come back? And and we'll, we'll dive into your, your whole process with that, but – Going up against guys like that that make you better night in and night out, is that something like, okay, I can I can improve upon this, I can improve upon this, going up against guys like this rather than try my hand in the G League or overseas or anything else like that? Yeah, yeah, that definitely helps play a factor. You know, just the talent level every game that we play is, is big. And to be able to go against future NBA talent while still being in a college setting, um, especially at a school that, you know, wants you to be here. Is, is a great thing to have as a player in college basketball because, you know, you have an opportunity to learn. You have a safety net with a school. You, know, you can still get your education and still, uh, you know, try and reach your goals with the team. And you have a coaching staff that's supporting you while still, you know, getting the exposure in front of NBA teams because they're coming to watch these guys. And, you know, they could be coming to watch some players on your team as well. They could be coming to watch you. You know, just at this level, that's it's just that's all over the place. And, Having an opportunity to stay in an environment like this is, yeah, that that's a big factor. You know, I, that played a big role. Do you think that this time, like making that decision and announcement right now, does that play into you guys are going to need to fill in with some other transfers? Does that help Coach Boynton and and the staff go tell other players, hey, come play with John Michael Wright, come play with Bryce, whoever else yeah. is going to like? They're not trying to here. figure out a roster. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it does. You know, them as coaches, you know, they have they have to do a job as well as recruiting and. You know, having players that they had here, you know, that already know the system, it's probably something that they wish they can keep, you know, so they don't have to, you know, just rebrand the whole entire team and have to build from the ground up. Um, you know, it would be good for them to have players back here that already know that can help future teammates. And so I, I'm sure that that helped them a lot, and they were felt, you know, glad that I made that announcement. Yeah. And, yeah, and they, they reached out saying they were glad too. So Yeah. Uh, so what was – okay, you showed up in Stillwater when last, like, August – I came June. Was it like late June? Wasn't yeah, it? It was late June? Early June. It was June 6th I came. Yeah, 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 that's right. All right, that's so right. whenever practices started, you got around all the other teammates, what was your welcome to the Big 12? What was your welcome to the OSU moment? You know, you talk about 
seeing Musa and you're like, I've never seen anybody that big move like that. Was there a certain practice that either you threw an alley-oop up there and all of a sudden I didn't think that guy could go get that or or, or Musa put it off the rafters? You it, was, know. it was a couple things that happened. i say the first thing, it wasn't official practice. I got here, it was me, Musa, and Tyreek. We went and played one-on-one uh, in, the, in the back gym, and I see this seven-foot guy just – on the perimeter doing jab, step, crossover, behind the back, step back threes, and he was making them. I was like, whoa, like, where did that come from? Who is this guy? You know, and then Tyreek was doing his thing. Well, clearly you didn't watch Moose's Instagram then because <laughs> yeah. he was three minutes of him up and down just two threes. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> no, see that's it. Long. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, in practice, I tried to dunk on him. He just swatted it out, and I, I never tried it again because I was like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get this guy. Is it pretty fun to throw an alley-oop up to a guy who can get that high? I mean, you're almost put, you're putting it out of reach for even the defender, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this dude goes above and beyond everybody to get it in. Yeah, it is pretty fun because, you you know, it, it's like a it's kind of like an insurance plan. You know, if you throw it up there, like he's going to find a way to catch it and put it in there. You know, even if you throw a bad pass, he'll still catch it and put it in there. Now you get an assist instead of a turnover. You know, so it's just having an athlete like that on your team and – and even not even on the offensive side, just the defensive side. You know, the ground he makes up just with his ability to move and be agile and jump high is, is you know, second to none. Yeah. yeah. You can't you can't just – it's it's a great thing to have on your team, and I wouldn't like to play against it. You know? How how do you adjust your game for that? Like, how, how does Musa having a seven-footer or even Tyreek? I mean, Tyreek may be the best athlete on the on the team. You know, he's 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". How do athletes like that make your game better? Uh, well, they teach you how to, you know, weed around, you know, their their strengths as far as, you know, their athleticism because there are a lot of guys that can jump like them. And so, you know, that when you go in practice, you play against them, you got to learn how to pump fake and go off two feet, you know, try and, and trick them mm-hmm. out of what they do best, you know, which is block shots in the stands. So you try you try and find, like, uh, little little things to tweak about your game that will allow you to play against guys that are at that ability and, you know, it helps in the game. Everyone has to make their own decision. I know you made yours, and you know Caleb and Avery are make, you know they've graduated and they're going their own separate ways to do their the best thing for them. But how how instrumental would it be for this team to get a guy like Musa or Tyreek? I know Tyreek I think still has two years of eligibility. How how important is it to get guys like that back? If you know when they make their decision, yeah, I think it's the most important thing because you know those two guys are are the backbone of our defense right now, and. Uh, you know, losing Avery and Caleb Boone. Avery was a great on-ball defender, and KB was a good defender as well. So, you know, just having Tyreek and Musa being able to have the ability to come back, and it, it would be great for our team because it would give the coaches, uh, you know, some comfort on the defensive end because those guys played a big part on defense. And for me as a as their teammate, you know, I would want to have the previous bigs back that I played with because, you know, we already got some chemistry and rapport, mm-hmm. and I know how those guys play. They know how I play. So, it it it'll be a great thing for the team to get them back. You guys, do you tr- do you guys try to try to poke and prod a little bit and say, hey, this is what we could do next year. Look at how close we got. If Avery didn't miss X amount of games, we're probably in. You know, is, is, does that kind of go into it, or is is college basketball? Because obviously, recruiting is way different now with NIL and, yeah. and all that. Does does that play into it as well? As these guys are going to make their own decision, or can there be some, you know, swaying from the Is there inside? some internal recruiting going yeah. on? Yeah, and, and does it work? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, yeah, we, we talk about things like that, but we try and give guys space to make their own decision because, you know, they're the ones that have to be in the situation. And, you know, if someone isn't happy or if someone is happy, it's, it's on them to ultimately make that decision. And, you know, we, we tell them, like, yo, 
you know, we have fun playing with you. Like, we can keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it's ultimately their decision, and we support them no matter what they do. Just, no. like, just like Avery and Caleb, mm-hmm. you know, we support them as well. Even probably back to, like, you know, your, when you came from high school to college, it was a different environment year to year than it is now. Is it kind of a weird feeling to to know? I mean, with the transfer portal, you kind of don't know what's going to be, who's going to be back, and your hope that you know used to it was you sign up and it's hey that's four years yeah. you know or five years whatever, and now it's almost a year to year deal. Well, I mean, you look at you look at this year's roster, and if everything stays the exact same way right now, with with Keon announcing last night, everyone else comes back with a five incoming freshman. There's one spot left. And that's if the the coaching staff doesn't take that extra scholarship for the NCAA sanctions. So you guys could have virtually the exact same team. Obviously, there's going to be five new freshmen. Or you're going to have five new freshmen, and there's going to be two or three or four different other players. I mean, that's that's just so insane. And that's more different than it was last year. Yeah, exactly. The the portal has made it, you know, it's kind of – kind of even the playing field with players and coaches, but it could be good and bad. It just depends on the situation. Um, for us, you know, potentially we could be looking at a whole new team. Um, and, you know, that's what the summers are for. That's why we come here so early and we stay throughout the summer to keep, you know, build that team chemistry. But like you said, coming out of high school, it was it was a whole different ball game. Like 2019 when I graduated, I, I never expected to transfer because nobody really talked about it because you had to sit out a year. Know, now that you don't have to sit out, guys could just come and go um, and go into new new uh, systems. But, you know, even with, like, the NIL and all that, it's just, it's part of the game now. You know, just guys can transfer, go get deals for, the, for their worth. And, you know, it's, it's something that I think college basketball just has to keep getting adjusted to because I don't think it will change anytime soon. All right, so talking about going from, from Fayetteville, North Carolina, to High Point, what was that recruiting process like? What was the senior year like? Tell us about kind of how how going from high school to college went for you. Man, it 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 was rocky. You know, I didn't really have a lot of scholarships until maybe March of my senior year is when I had solidified myself with options to go to college. Um, I got my first Division One offer my ninth grade year, and it was to Marshall University. Yeah. And I didn't get another scholarship until January. I think it was the end of January, my senior year of high school, and that was High Point. Coach Tubby Smith came to a game and. Uh, we had a good game. It was against our rival school, and it was a big game. We won, and he told me after the game, yeah, I'd love for you to come to my school, but he didn't say anything about a scholarship, so I didn't really think nothing of it. And then he texted me the next day, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you, like, you got a scholarship to the school. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah by I the mean, way, if you yeah. committed last night as a walk-on, here's, okay. Here's but, the most know. important thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. but that's interesting, though, could be because, I'm, and I'll let you get back to it, but a high point, you know, a lot of people would go, I'm sorry, high, high yeah, point? Where? Toby Smith's a big name in college mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't have known that he was there at that time, but that's a big name coming to a basketball game. Yeah, and at the time, I I didn't know who he was. My coach was so excited. My mom, my dad was like, "Tubby Smith came and talked to you." And I was like, "You're like who's Tubby Smith? <laughs> oh, you <laughs> named Tubby? Yeah, like, come on, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what's his real name? You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so I looked him up and I, I was like, "Okay, yeah, this guy's won a national championship, coached at Kentucky. This is a real dude." Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then. You know, I kept in contact with them, and then uh, I got off from Arkansas State. Uh, Hampton University offered me, and then University of Maryland, Baltimore County, which was my second option uh, with Coach Ryan Odom, who's uh, now at VCU. Uh, great guy, great coach. We had a great relationship. Um, so it was between those two. And, you know, I just waited out 
High Point was there. They was giving me, you know, a lot of love. Coach Smith was telling me I have an opportunity to play right away. And, you know, I went. The campus is amazing. I went and visited, and I just fell in love with the campus and the coaching staff. And that's how I ultimately made my decision was to go there. And, yeah, it they were they were a great staff, and my family trusted them at the time, and I trusted them at the time. And, you know, they, they took care of me when I got there. When, so when you're in ninth grade, Marshall calls, and Marshall comes to a game, or however it is they saw you first, and they all offer a scholarship. Did you even know what that meant at the time? I mean, I did. I did know it because I had a couple of teammates who were blowing up at the time, and they were getting scholarships. So they were telling me about how the process goes and what they say. So the Marshall coach came to my stepdad, who, who was my coach at the time, and told him, you know, we like your son. We want to offer him a scholarship. And they told me, and I just – I was just so hyped, so ecstatic. You start wearing green everywhere? I did. <laughs> I actually did, yeah. I started wearing green. I started looking at Marshall football, yeah. the school, all that. He's walking around going, we are. Yeah. Anybody? <laughs> no, nobody? Uh-huh. Nobody? Nah. <laughs> yeah, man. Hunt- it was Hunt- Huntington, uh, West Virginia. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you know, I actually went down there a couple times, too. I had a friend that lived out there. So, yeah, I, I started going to Marshall, huh? I did at yeah. the time, yeah, because it was my only scholarship. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, I guess I'll go to Marshall. But the thing about Marshall was once they offered me my ninth grade year, I never heard from them again. So, me going into my senior year is going is getting close to the commitment deadline. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? And then that's when. High Point reached out, and I started to get a little more. So I'm guessing the uh, I'm guessing the recruiting was a little different once you announced you're going to transfer from High Point. Man, did you start hearing hearing from other people? It was like Marshall call you back. It was like <laughs> night and day, bro. Nah, they ain't call me back. I would have picked the phone up though. You know, I ain't that type of guy. But. Still got the green in the closet. <laughs> I, I threw it away. <laughs> My closet is orange now. So. When you when you look at you know from high school to college and you start getting those offers, you know how how difficult it difficult is it to try to discern you know, they're feeding me lines. This is genuine because I, what 2019, that would have been the spring after UMBC upset Virginia. Mm-hmm. So I, obviously that's something that's big that goes into like, how do you, how do you try to weed through the BS of, okay, they really want me, I'm going to go here and I'm going to set for two or three years before I'm on the court. How do you, you know, that's obviously a difficult decision. Like how do you come to, okay, high point Tubby Smith, I'm going to play. It's genuine. It's real. They want me here. How how do you kind of wade through all that? You just, you really just have to pay attention to like what they're exactly saying to you and and how they go about saying it and their actions after they say it. You know, with High Point, they would tell me, "Yeah, we want you to come here and play right away." And then all of a sudden, Coach Smith would be at my school after I'm done. Like, okay, if he was leading me on, like he wouldn't be driving two and a half hours just to come see me, say what's up after class. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. and it's always good to have multiple people in your corner. You know, I had a lot of people helping me. Uh, my stepdad knew a lot of people that knew uh, coaches that would, you know, keep it real with them, and then they would rely back to me and, and tell me the true intentions. So I, I think it's always good to have more than one person, you know, working for you. Well, not for you, but working with you um, throughout, throughout that process. But, you know, you just can't – you can't just believe everything. You can't just let it get to your head. you got to appreciate it and actually, like, sit down and evaluate what's going on and, and see who else is out there that they're looking for and the type of player because – um, you know, coaches know what player types are, so if they're recruiting me and they know my game, they wouldn't recruit somebody that has the same type of game. And if they do, then, you know, it's it's kind of – it's not sitting well, you know what I'm saying? So those are the type of things that I did and my parents had prepared me for when I was uh, picking my school. Mm-hmm. All right, so what was recruitment from Coach Boynton like whenever – what he re- he reached out, you know, you've, I'm guessing – Guessing by NCAA rules, you'd already <laughs> you'd already announced that you were going to transfer, and then 
Oklahoma State, I mean, all your life had been North Carolina, and all of a sudden. Yeah, how do you get to the decision of that? Like, I'm, is it I've done all I can do at high point? Let me try to do something. Like, maybe I can better my game somewhere. Like, what goes into transferring? Yeah, so. Because it can't come easy. Yeah, no, it, it was difficult. It was a difficult decision to make. You know, I had so much good, you know, memories at high point, and, and the, the, the school and the coaching staff and the headmaster were great to me. You know, it, it was my family. I never thought I would leave. But, you know, I had got to a point where I just felt stagnant in myself, felt like I wasn't, you know, being pushed as hard as I would want to be. And I always wanted to play at a high high level. And seeing that the transfer portal had came about uh, going into my sophomore year, and then it had been a year in. So now I'm like, okay, this is a real thing. If I want to go somewhere, I, I have the opportunity. And I probably, I'll probably get a good school. So that was, you know, ultimately the, the factors that led to me doing it. And we played a couple games against some high major schools. And the environment and the talent that I played against, I was like, I want to do this in practice. You know, this is the type of talent I want to go against in practice. And the games, I want the games to look like this mm-hmm. and, and mean this much, you know, to people and to, to the nation, you know, and, and to TV people. Like, these are the big games. And, you know, I had talks with Coach Smith, and he would always tell me about what it's like to be at this level. So when I had thought about going there, you know, he understood. He gave me nothing but love. All, all The whole school gave me nothing but love and support when I made my decision to transfer. But that was ultimately it. Uh, I just wanted something that would, you know, just push me, you know, so I can get better. And, you know, I get in the portal, and then I hear from Coach Terrence Rensa to answer your question. He was the first coach that uh, reached out to me. And, and then Coach K-Sign, Coach LB, and, and I talked to Coach Mike, and, you know, they were telling me it's an opportunity here for me to come. And, and be a part of the Cowboys, and you know it. It was funny because at that time, like I had, I didn't really think about OSU. But mm-hmm. um, when I was growing up, I used to play with them, and I'm sure you guys heard the story. Play with them with the video game, and mm-hmm. you know, so when they reached out, I was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Oklahoma <laughs> State, that's the school I wanted to go to. So when I went in, I wasn't really expecting to go to Oklahoma State. I yeah. just wanted to see who was going to call me. You know, I didn't know who was going to call, but once they called, and, and I got to know the coaching staff. I was like, these guys seem like real good people, real genuine people. And I came up here and I saw how they carried themselves together and how it was just nothing but love. And the players, I talked to the players on my visit. They were saying it's nothing but love. And, you know, I just, I felt like it would be, I felt like how I felt when I chose High Point out of high school. And that's when I felt like it was right for me to be here. Yeah. So I, I remember playing that game back in back in college, back in high school. Walking into Gallagher Iba versus it being on the game, graphics were a little different versus live. What was coming in here and and seeing? I mean, it, that's a tall building in there. Mm-hmm. Well, seeing that in person, and it's the exact same court that they used when they first opened. It's not like the same type of. I mean, it is the same. The floor same wood, yeah. They've yeah. used for over a hundred years. So, so when I when I was playing the game at OSU, it was it was actually the football game when they oh, had the okay. old football stadium. But I, I did play the college okay, so, game, too. Okay, yeah. so walking into Boone Pickens Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it looked a little different, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, on that game, they just had the, the two half and halves before they put the middle part. And yep. When I got here and I see the middle part and everything, I'm like, yeah, this is this is tough, you know. So when you – not not that the fan base wasn't excited for John Michael Wright out of high point, but I would imagine, you know, when you talk about, like, the new defensive coordinator coming from Gannon University – what the hell is Gannon University? Was there kind of a chip? Like, listen, I'm a good basketball player. You know, just because I'm from High Point, not that you've ever heard of it, we know basketball. We can, we're good basketball players. Was there, I'm coming in, I'm going to prove something because 
you know, I'm not just some guy that Oklahoma State found off the street. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, obviously when you go into a new environment, there's going to be people who, who doubt because they haven't seen anything. Um, all they know is, you know, film and, you know, they understand that it's a different level of basketball. So, And I knew that. So coming in, I knew I'm going to be playing against the top guys in the country. So I got to make sure I'm on my A game. I didn't really pay too much attention to, like, the, the critics or, like, the outside people. I really just wanted to prove to the coaching staff that I could, I belong here, to my teammates that I belong here. Those guys, those are the main people that I wanted to show, like, yeah, you can count on me in a game, you know. So I didn't really – I didn't really care. Like, I'm not the type of guy that really feeds off or, or gets into, you know, what fans say good or bad. You know, I appreciate all the good stuff. But if they say something bad, it's okay. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll try and make my next shot, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, cause, but it was just proving to them that, you know, they can count on me, yeah. you know, in certain situations. That was my main priority when I got here in the summer. New roster for you um, didn't look all that different than it did the year before. Obviously, you, C5, and, and Keon. So it wasn't this drastically different offense uh, or, or defense, but, you know, BT was another year in the system. Tyreek was another year in the system. So at what point? did you guys finally start to click? Because obviously you, you practice throughout the summer somewhat, kind of doing, you know, just some drill work and shooting drills and stuff like that. But at what point did you guys say, okay, this is this is going to work? We're, you know, we're, we're a cohesive unit. There's no one sticking out. There's no animosity because I came in trying to take your job or anything like that. When did you guys feel like a team? I think once we started playing pickup uh, over and over, we, got, we started building some chemistry, seeing how guys actually play. And just competing back and forth, you know, the one-on-ones or, like, just the battles in the five-on-five, you know, just seeing guys that can actually play. Um, And then, you know, switching teams up, just feeding off of each other, seeing it all still works the same. I think that's when we knew, like, okay, we can can do this as a team. There's no odd man out. Uh, There's no one trying to steal this or steal that. We all just want to work together and win. I I would say it would probably be in the middle of July in the summer when we realized that or when I realized that. Um, that we were, that you know, we can we can do this as a team. How much is it on the court versus off the court? Like, do you do you get more cohesive as a unit doing pickup and doing one on one, or is it you know playing video games, hanging out, going out to eat? You know, like is or is it you know you have to have a little bit of both? Yeah, I, I think it all gels together. You can't have one without the other. Um, just spending time with somebody, you know, throughout the day, you know, working with them and then just still being with them after practice. You know, you just you build that type of chemistry where it's, it's I, got, I, got, I got your back mentality. And, you know, that carries on in the game. You know, if somebody's down or if somebody it needs to be picked up, uh, you know, you, you still have that mentality. You know, so I think playing games off the court, you know, just hanging out, going out to eat, like you said, it all plays a part when you get on the court because, you know, you know you still have to do this together. Like off the court, we're together. On the court, we're together. And that's how it has to be. Who'd you, who'd you gravitate towards the first, like the most? Like week uh, one, were you like, "This dude's real cool. I gotta, I gotta hang out with him." I mean, yeah, my roommate too. Yeah, yeah, he was my roommate, so he was the one I had seen the most at first. So me and him were kicking it, but you know, I, me and Musa, I started hanging out with Musa a lot. Uh, me and him, we, we had a pretty good relationship. Uh, and but just you know, as the year went on, like everybody, you know, Chris Harris, you know, Caleb Asbury, Caleb Bone, you know, I just I started kicking it with everybody. But I would say Q was the first person I really got cool, cool with, and then it was, it was probably Musa. Is is Q as high energy, high level as you guys kind of make him out to be in the media? Oh, man, or? yeah, that dude. <laughs> yeah, Q be all over the place. 
Nah, he 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 cool people. He funny, a funny dude. He always yeah. got a smile on his face. Yeah. You know, it's, it's no dead moment with him. You know? What do you see out of his game? Like, I mean, he's only a true freshman. What do you see the future of his game looking like? I, to me, I feel like he can play like how Keontae Johnson played for Kansas State. I think he has that type of talent. You know, if you, if you just see him in practice, the stuff he does, uh, you would be like, man, who is this guy? You know, mm-hmm. you know, the game comes on, you know, freshman year. You know, certain things happen, you know, mind, race. You know, so – but towards the end of the year, he was he was playing real good. Like, you know, he'd been here. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I could see his game being like uh, Keontae Johnson or something. Well, and how how beneficial is it? Because there's like, – like you said, there you're a freshman. Like, every kid at this level was the best at their school, in their area, their region, their conference, whatever. And all of a sudden you're coming in and you're playing up against grown men, guys that, you know, you're 17, 18 years old and you're going up against guys 21, 22, 23 that have been through it. So there's got to be doubt, right? You know, how – how I don't want to say difficult, but are there challenges of trying to keep him level, saying, hey, listen – I know you were really good in high school, but I went through this. I was good in high school. I went to college. It's totally different. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have troubles. You will get through it. Everything will be okay. Like, is that – does it help try to get guys through that moment knowing that you've been through it? Or is it they're just going to have to try to figure it out because they, you know, they're going through their own thing? Now, I think it helps to when you – because you've been through it. Like you said, you have that experience. And I don't, I don't think it's a player that's in college basketball that hasn't had a down moment their freshman year so. You know, whenever Q is in the game or in practice, if something goes bad, like we always try and you know tell him to pick his head up, like it's, it's gonna be okay because he's hard on himself because he you know he wants to win, he works hard, he's dedicated to the sport, and you know, but you know, not even freshman, you sophomore, junior, you know, me, I was a senior, I had my down moments too, and we all just continue to pick each other up. So I think that's an important important thing to have in a team. You know, you you need to be able to pick each other up. Because everybody gets down at some point, you just can't let it, you know, feed into your mind and start making you doubt your play. Yeah. When you look at your your situation, I think it was two or three games in the Big Twelve. Is you know, you start to struggle a little bit. Q trying to figure it out. When you talk about you know comfortability going down the stretch and and getting comfortable with the coaching staff and the environment and the situation, how how key is that going into year two for both of you guys? Yeah, I think it's real key. We have a coaching staff that you know teaches you to believe in yourself. And throughout those games, we all struggled. You know, we Coach Mike and the whole coaching staff was still preached, like, hey, you can do this. We've seen you make shots. We've seen you make plays. We've seen you play good defense. We just – you can do it. Just keep on keep on pressing and now having a year under our belts. I think year two, it would make things a lot, a lot easier as far as, you know, just knowing what's going on in the game and what coaches expect. Because, you know, when you know what your coach expects, you know, you're able to uh, – play out the game plan a lot easier, a lot smoother, instead of just having your mind race, trying to figure out what exactly he wants us to do. And I, I think that will play a big part for both of us. Did you ever anticipate going into Allen Fieldhouse and dropping 19 in the first Big 12 game of the season? I, I can't say no because, you know, everybody <laughs> imagined themselves playing good against yeah. the top guys. So I've had moments where I, you know, imagine shots going in against the, the top teams mm-hmm. in the country. But the way, the way I did it at Kansas, I didn't see it exactly like that. You know, it's just even though I had a good game, I was still mad because it was two shots that I missed that could have sealed the deal and we would have won the game. And those are the ones that I really wish would have went in because mm-hmm. you know that would have really gave us some momentum at the beginning of the conference play. But I, I enjoyed that experience. It was the loudest gym I ever been in. It was sold out, packed, and it was crazy. It was, it was like a movie. Well, that's the that's the experience that you transferred 
four. Yeah, was, exactly. Yeah. Was that what other what other environments did you have this year that were like, yeah, this is why, this is why I'm here. I'm sure there were some here. Yeah, yeah, know, here for some sure. on the road. I wasn't there, but it seemed like Manhattan was pretty nuts. It was, yeah, it was tough because that was my first time in New York too. So you know, just being in the big city and playing at the Brooklyn Nets Stadium, it, it was live. And you know, when we played, uh, I like when we play Iowa State at Iowa State um, because it was real hostile. You know, people were talking crazy. They team was talking crazy. Those Midwesterners, man, they'll get after they you. Got they got nothing else tripping. to do. <laughs> yeah, they was tripping out there, bro, like for real. So when we got that win and won, it was just. It was a great feeling, you know. Those those are the type of environments I like. And when we played Texas Tech, the last game, that was that was a good environment too. Well, and that was cool because it was a must win. I mean, for Absolutely. us, it was a must win. Yeah, you yeah. want to you want to make it. Yeah. How how quickly do you learn the regional and conference animosities? Because obviously, coming in, it's going to be bedlam, right? Mm-hmm. But outside of OU, and honestly, I I don't know. It might be more. Texas Tech hates Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. It like that might be more hostile than going down to Norman, going down to Lubbock. Those people are nuts. Yeah, they they was nothing. I don't know. I I didn't expect that honestly, but mm. everybody was telling me, "Yo, go play at Tech. It's, it's gonna be crazy." Like they they sell out all their games too, and so we get there and I just see people ming mugging us, you know, in the stand. I'm like, "Yo, what we do to these people?" <laughs> you know, but to answer your Showed question, up in orange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess they don't like orange or something, but um, yeah. I learned pretty quick, you know, just hearing stories about previous years from mm-hmm. the players here, just saying what what type of environment this is, what type of players this team has. So, you know, you prepare like that, but you know, you don't really know, truly know until you get in the environment. Yeah, what had you heard about Bedlam, and then what was Bedlam like? I, I heard, I just heard it was crazy. Uh, like everybody kept saying, we don't like OU. You know, it's, it's smoke with them. Like it's we we don't do OU. We don't do Norman. None of that. So I, I'm coming. I'm like. What's, what's, what's the big problem? Like, what happened? So I didn't really know too much about the rivalry, but I learned quick. And, you know, just playing against them, uh, you could just tell why, you know, this game meant so much to the fans of Oklahoma State. And it really meant a lot to Caleb Boone. I mean, every time he played them, he just was the man on the court. And, you know, just hearing them in their certain press conferences, too, at the game, just hearing stuff they say, I'm like, Okay, I can see why we don't like these people. Now, now I really don't like them. You know? <laughs> you know, I'm part of the rivalry now. I don't like them either, so. But you know it was crazy. It was, I I think the game was better here than at their arena because you know, their environment wasn't all that you know brutal. But when when they played us here, you know we showed out. Our fans showed out. You know when when Allen Fieldhouse, when Texas Tech, when you guys are on the road, or when other teams come in here, I guess when when the crowd is real loud, how much does that affect you guys on the court? I mean, I know you practice with noise and. But that also gets the heart going a little bit. Gets those high energy guys a little more high energy. How much? How much does just hearing that full noise mess with you guys out there? It, it could be real good, but it could really be bad. Uh, I'll give you an example. When we in Allen Fieldhouse, we up by fifteen, and they make that ten zero run, mm-hmm. and it gets crazy. You, you know, you, your mind starts to shake a little bit. Like, all right, like how are we gonna stop this run? But we need to get down the court. But wait, they're pressing, and it's loud in here. Like. What's going on, man? Coach, call timeout. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but when it's on your side, um, you know, it gives you a lot of momentum. You know, like you said, it does get the heart racing. It gets guys, you know, feeding more into the process of the game. And, you know, you get more locked in to what we're doing. And, you know, and, and if and if it's a hostile environment like the OU game, if they score and we score, like we ready just to, to end it all. And 
and say they do got the ball and the crowd starts booing, you know, that that adds to our fuel too on defense. Um, and I know we played at Iowa State. Our defense was so locked in because their crowd was getting loud and we would just shut it down when we scored. And, and them being silent really locked us in on defense. So it just it just it, it goes with the game. It depends on how the game is going with with the crowd. And so. Is it more fun to be playing defense at home when the crowd, you know, as, as sold out as, as you saw this year and it's as loud as can be, or is it more fun to hit a three and hear everybody go crazy? Or would you rather do it on the road? And then it goes quiet. Like like up in <laughs> like at Hilton Coliseum at Iowa State, is it yeah. is it better to hit a corner three here or hit a corner three up there? Quiet or loud? I think it's better to quiet them. Yeah, yep. I'm I'm the type of dude where if somebody talking, like I I don't want to hear you talk. So like if 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 we're lo- uh, not losing, but if if uh we got the ball and the crowd is loud and we're at a away game and somebody hits a three and then I now it's silent, like don't say nothing. That that's what I'm talking about. That's where you're supposed to be. Just be quiet. Yeah. You know this is what we do. So atmospheres like Ames, atmospheres like Texas Tech, completely different atmosphere than what you guys went to at Youngstown, where there's maybe five, six thousand people in the whole place, but you can hear all of them. Mm-hmm. Was that a what was that what was that NIT game up there like? Nah, it was loud because you know they was hooping, they was hitting some shots, so they crowd was in it. And well, and then Caleb had a one on one with somebody at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he was did. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, you saw that on the uh, TV. Yeah. yeah, but they were real loud. Um, you know, it was it was a jam packed gym. You know, not that big, so the sound couldn't go nowhere but on the court. So we heard everything. You know they were real high energetic, so, but it it all feels the same, honestly. You know when it's loud, and the only different one was, was Allen Fieldhouse. That that they got their own category uh-huh. to me. But you know, most of the crowd noise, it, it feels the same. Like you can feel it in your in your bones and chest start beating. And, uh, but it's kind of what you play for, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Being it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to experience. You know, not a lot of people get the chance to experience that, uh, especially while playing. You know, so it, it's something that that I'm forever grateful for just to be able to say, yeah, I went through that whole little process. And what was what was Coach Boynton's, what was the staff's message to you guys? Your your first team out, not trying to take this negative here, but right. first team out, first team in in the NIT, however you want to look at that, of the, hey, we still got to play. Like, you know, the ultimate goal, every team, Division One is NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. But we've got – we got to go play, and hey, cool, we're the one seed, but we got to go on the road. I mean, it it was almost one of those the dominoes couldn't fall worse in about a twenty four hour period. What what was their message? How did they get everybody back together and say, hey, we're going up to a crazy environment. We got to play, got to play right. Yeah, so we just we just sat down and reflected on the season, and he told us yet yeah, he he feels bad that we were the first team out, but we had a lot to do with our our uh, like the, our outcome. We realized that as a team. So when he said, "Y'all want to do something about it? Go, let's go play this NIT." We had to get back riled up and try and get our mind back right to 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 try and prove why we felt like we should have been in the tournament. And ultimately, it didn't play out the way we wanted it to. But that was their message, just getting us back in in the right shape of mind to go and keep playing for something. Because you know, he said it's always good to keep playing for something. It was a time we were playing where no other team was playing. You know, a lot of people had been eliminated at that point before we played North Texas. Uh, so just he was just saying it's always good to have the opportunity to chase a championship no matter what it is. Yeah. And we all try to take that mindset and just get back pedal to the metal and just try and figure out how we was gonna win the NIT. Easier said than done, obviously. But you know when when you lose Avery, when you did, you know there's a, a bit of a cold stretch. You know Texas in the Big Twelve tournament wasn't a, a very good shooting night. 
plus you combine that with missing out in the NCAA tournament, going to the NIT. How how hard is it to lock in, knowing like, hey, listen, we're we're not where we want to be, but we're be we are that number one seed. If we want, you know, if we want to, we can go up and we can beat this team. We can beat this team. We can beat this team. And and you're going to run into a hot team like North Texas. But with with the shooting woes down the stretch, how hard was it to really lock in and say, you know what, we are still playing basketball because couldn't have been easy. Yeah, it was hard because that Texas game, you know, we went into that game saying, like, we win this one. We'll definitely be in a tournament. And, you know, how the outcome played out, we were just like, oh, man. Now we worry we might not make it, and then we go sit on Selection Sunday, and then we see the first team out, and everybody's just down like, man, like I don't know what to – you know, it was, it was a I don't know mentality. So, yeah, it was real tough, you know, just trying to get back in, back in uh, mental shape to, to lock in for the NIT. And, and I honestly believe uh, us not making it in that little stretch where we were just like kind of checked out because we didn't make it really hurt us in the tournament, the NIT tournament. Uh, but – you know, once we started playing, started and got those two wins, you know, we started get back, get back into it. But it was it was never the same. Uh, it, it wasn't never the same once we didn't get picked on selection Sunday. You know, you talk you talk negativity on social media and how you guys avoid that. I, I think most of the fans and and the media, you know, I've been guilty of it too. You kind of circle two games, right? Say, okay, well, if you if they had beaten Southern Illinois at home, and you know, if they hadn't lost to you know Team X or Team B or whatever it might be they'd be in the NCAA tournament. What moments would, like, was it Southern Illinois, or could you look at, say, okay, well, if we hadn't have given up, you know, if we'd have, like, held on and, and beat Baylor or Kansas State late in the season, or, like, was it those moments, or are there other moments where you can look at and say, well, yeah, those were unfortunate, but it, it wasn't, you know, we, we there were other things that, you know, and it, it was all spread out. Yeah, i say it was all three of those things. One, we shouldn't have lost to, the, you know, Southern Illinois. Uh, we were up big in the first half that's during the time we were beating teams like by 20 points and then we would lose the lead so shouldn't have lost to them shouldn't have lost to UCF and Bahamas it was the same story um, a lot of big 12 games that was you know came down to the wire that we could have won and if we do win those and yeah the committee has nothing to say nothing to say to us but you know get in the tournament so and we knew that and that's just the reality of it you know it was certain games that we let slip away and there's nobody to blame but ourselves for those situations. And then how important are those, for at least for you, for coming back and saying, you know what, look at how good we were. Look at the talent that we could have coming back. We're not going to let this happen. We're not going to let this happen, and we're going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's, it's real important because now you know how you lose. You know, you see what caused you to lose those type of games and the impact those games winning or winning those games would have had on your season. You don't wanna, You don't want to leave nothing. Coach Mike would tell us all the time, you don't want to leave nothing in. Nobody else's hands mm-hmm. but your own, and that's what we did. So just seeing what those type of games look like, you know, I'll be more prepared. You know, my teammates will be more prepared to, you know, be able to win those games and, and figure out a way to to get those uh, games on our on our win column. Have, have you seen much on the recruiting class coming in? Have you seen Brandon Garrison? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah I seen a lot of boys. Yeah, yeah. What, he, are, you, what nice. are you excited about? I like him because when I watched him in the summer, like I was just seeing how he was passing out the post. Like he he a good passer. He can run the floor. He's a big body. You know, he he plays. You know, he plays with a swag. You know that I like. And I think uh, that'd be good for us. I haven't I haven't seen Keller play in person, or Justin. I've saw uh, I seen Connor play. I like Connor. He's a shooter, cool dude. Got good size. Um, I haven't seen Eric Daly play, but I hear he's a real good player. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get all five of those guys here and 
you know, working with them and, you know, helping preparing them for the big So what becomes your role next year? Are you the leader? I mean, one of the leaders, I know there's a couple of veterans that are going to be back, but, I mean, are you one of the leaders that is going to focus on, focus on, hey, how can my game get a whole lot better? Or are you also focused on growing these young kids? And we need all, because in basketball, what, you only got 12 that play probably every night. We need all 12. Yeah, so like right now in the spring semester, like I'm 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 focusing on myself, getting myself ready. Because if I'm not ready, I can't prepare nobody else. But when once those guys get here, you know I'll do my best taking them under my wing, and uh, especially the guard, guards like Keller, uh, just showing them what to expect. You know, just getting them ready. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's a role of everybody, you know, who's been here previously to prepare the next, because they're the future of the program, and you know you don't want to leave them out hanging. And that's what we try to do with Keon. Keon, you know, Keon got put right to the fire and. He was the only freshman, but now it's five of them. So they'll have each other, you know, to depend on, you know, when it get hard and just talk it up with. But, you know, I, I think our job will be to take them under our wing, and especially me being a, a grad student next year, to just make sure they're prepared for what the Big 12 looks like. What's, what's going to be your grad classes look like? I don't know yet. I ain't picked them. I got to pick them uh, either. I'll probably pick them on Monday, Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so – Last one for me, 51. It's an odd number in, in basketball. Why 51? Are you going to stick with that or change it? Are you going to another number? What? Why 51 this year? Yeah, I, I'll probably stick with it. Um, I wanted a number that would stand out, something that I didn't see before. So when I got here, I wanted 50. But that's before I knew about big country. Mm. It was kind of spoken for. Yeah, yeah, it's spoken for. So I'm like, okay, I wanted 50. I wore number one. Let me just add them together. There you go. Uh, 51. <laughs> And I thought about it. I talked to my brother about it. He was like, bro, I ain't never seen nobody wear 51. But I think it would be tough. You know, so I'm like, shoot, what? I'll just be different with it. Anywhere, anywhere you go in town and you see 51, there's only one. It's only one 51. Probably not the backup center. <laughs> nah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be that. Uh-uh. What, is, what is John Michael like off the court when he's when he's not playing basketball? Like, what do you do? What do you, Like, favorite foods, favorite TV shows? Like, what do you what, what do you like off the court? I'm, I'm a pretty low-base guy. Um you know, I, I like people. I like being around people. I like I'm a family guy. I like to chill. Uh chill out with my brother and my friends. Just go out to eat. Um you know, I like to hang out. Favorite food, I'd probably say shrimp. I'm a big probably hard to guy. get shrimp here in Stillwater. Yeah, it is. You gotta go to Walmart and I'll be cooking it. You know, I I'm a little mini chef, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So I like cooking too. But you know, I, I like I like where it's live and where it's people and you know, being able to interact with other students. You know, I'm that I'm that type of guy. So who has better barbecue, North Carolina or Oklahoma? You know, I got to stick with the home state, man. North oh, Carolina. so Oklahoma? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't go against my state. Yeah, but I, I like the Oklahoma food. Though. Do you make the sauces from back home? Do you make them out here for the guys? And <laughs> what do any the, of that? What are those differences? Because between like North Carolina and and Oklahoma cuisine, and obviously, I would imagine there's probably not as much butter. That's used out in North Carolina, unless yeah. you're talking shrimp. But you know what? What are the what are some of the big differences that you saw right off the bat? I, it, it would just be the seafood part. You know, North Carolina it's, it's a lot of beaches around, so it's easy to get like a seafood platter. Not a lot but, of catfish. Yeah, nah, nah, <laughs> I got it, nah. But here, you know, I don't know if it's because we're in Stillwater or, but I don't really see too many like seafood places. It's because we're in Stillwater. Like okay. if you went down to Tulsa or Oklahoma City, there's, I mean. Not that you're going to get super fresh right out of the water seafood, but yeah. there are there are places in the cities. Yeah, so, like, I miss doing that, like, going to the beach, going to the uh, little fish house or, you know, being able to get a fish that they just caught, you know what I'm saying? They just skimp it, and now you can go, you can eat it right there. So, yeah. I would say that's the biggest difference. But as far as, like, the burgers and 
all that other stuff. It all tastes the same. Where's the Where's the place to go? I go to the garage. I like the garage. Yeah, yeah. it's close too. Mm-hmm. Close and good. So yeah. So when when you're after next year done, move on in in ten years, you come back still. What's What's one place you're hoping to go? I mean, hopefully, garage is still there. But what's What's something you're hoping to come back to Stillwater, see, do? I mean, to see what the arena looks like then, you know, with all the new improvements yeah, the new to plans. the athletic village. What is it in, in when you come back in the future you're hoping to come back here and do again? Yeah, I, I'm excited to see how that, that new facility is going to look, you know, just the whole $325 million plan they got. I want to see it all. I'm, I, li- I like architecture, so, like, I like seeing new things being built. Um, so I want to see what that looks like. Uh, oh, and I want to see the banner up, up there when we win the Big 12 next year. You know what I'm saying? I want to come there back and be able to see something like that. See the see the banner that says twenty three twenty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So just things like that 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 will keep you memorable in the in the city of Stillwater. Just having a place at OSU. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And I I like to go back to Outlaws. So I like Outlaws. Yeah, yeah, Outlaws be a place. Uh, obviously, last thing for me. Obviously, the the goal is professional basketball. I would imagine that the the pinnacle is the NBA. But I would imagine you get this far any level of professional basketball. So how how difficult was it to say, I still have room to grow, I still have stuff to improve upon, and not go play professional? And then obviously next year, you know, what are what are the plans after basketball? For me, it wasn't that difficult because I'm I'm the type of guy that likes perfection. You know, yeah, I, I think I twenty swishes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, twenty swishes. I think I would have had an opportunity to play somewhere if I would have left this year, uh, because the coaches that you know they gave me opportunity, you know, so I was able to showcase myself a lot on the court, but, you know, I I feel like I have a lot to improve, and I missed out on a lot of stuff here, and I'm, I'm, I'm the type of guy that wants to finish something, finish where he starts before he moves on to the next, and finish on a good note, not just finish, you know, so that that was, that was that's what made it easier, just knowing how we ended off here, and I was like, nah, I, I can't go out like that, like, that's not how I want to be remembered at Stillwater, so that that made the decision easy. And then what are, what are the plans after basketball? What are you, because I know that you would talk to TD, about you know wanting to get into broadcasting or wanting to take that is that you know is that what you want to do like what are what are some of the plans there? That's something I I could do. I know I want to do something that affects the youth. You know I I love just being able to impact kids because they're the future of the nation, they're the future of the world, and um, just being able to have a good imprint on them to help them, you know, growing up and be successful in life is something that I I take pride in and, and I'm pe- pretty passionate about. Uh, I go to you know the Renaissance School with uh, the kids every once a week and. I go talk to them, hang out with them, and just hearing the young minds, what they say and the things they want to do is just mm-hmm. stuff like that is, you know, taken, a, taken for granted, you know, nowadays. And I know I want to do something that will help, like, the less fortunate kids that don't have as much opportunity as others to be able to showcase themselves and express themselves in a good way. John Michael Wright, I thank you so much for joining us, as always. And uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't try to get you on towards the end of the summer and uh, see where the, the improvements have made and what those freshmen look like. And Yeah, we want to hear about how their pickup game skills are. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say everything, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I could probably walk in and see them in the gym, you know, yeah. at the time. Absolutely. Well, no, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. That's going to do it for the Pokesport Podcast. We'll talk to you next time here on pokesreport.com.